And they were like, wow, these, these people right outside our fence sampling this water. And it seemed to make more of an impact than endless big um, scientific documents, 250 pages long. Those just sit on the shelf. But now here is a, is a person, a citizen living right on the fence that is measuring what's coming out of the wastewater treatment works, saying to them, hey, this isn't clean. What's going on? This is Liz Taylor. An example collector from the house floor. The issue that we have to the house floor, there's the people who, who live close to the space. And then sometimes when the wastewater treatment getting treats the waste, they release the, the water or it becomes smell all over the place. And then people used to complain because they know me, they know I used to come to the place and collect the sample. And then they complain to me about these issues. And this is Nompomelelo Bengo. So we wanted to have people, previously unemployed people, that don't need to travel, they don't need to get on the minibus and go anywhere, they don't need to use the taxis, they can just stay home, maybe take a short walk each day and check on illegal dump sites and spilling manholes. And we increased that to freshwater leaks, door-to-door visits and that sort of thing. So that person would be called an EnviroChamp. Liz and Nombomelelo care for our rivers with true community spirit. This podcast is brought to you by Jojo, a proud supporter of South Africa's water activists and a proud supplier of water solutions for better quality of life. By protecting our most precious resource, Jojo's quality products help to safeguard the well-being of people, communities, and the environment. Please enjoy today's episode, a celebration of all things water and the people working tirelessly to protect it. You're listening to For Water For Life, the podcast that tells extraordinary stories of ordinary people and water. They've made it their mission to preserve, purify and protect the water supply where we live in a water-scarce and unequal country called South Africa. I'm Kukule Tumshongo. And I'm Michelle Constant. Nompumulelo is an EnviroChamp, a paid citizen scientist. She works at the Duzi Umgeni Conservation Trust, also appropriately known as DUCT. She works alongside board member Liz. What they do is they monitor the quality of water in the rivers and water bodies surrounding Hawick, a town in the Midlands of South Africa's coastal KwaZulu-Natal province. Rivers, lakes and dams become polluted by industrial waste, from chemicals to human waste to plastic. Polluted water makes people sick and poisons the region around it. So checking the levels of pollution in a river like the life-giving Umgeni is important work. It's not just being done by authorities, but also by active citizens. 
Nompomelelo and I, we've been working together for about the last eight years, monitoring the water quality in the Amgeni River and the Hawick wastewater sewerage works, um, the water that comes out of the treatment works that goes into the river. And Nompomelelo has been very instrumental in helping measuring that. So we, yeah, we good partners and we've been working together uh, to solve the water pollution problems around Howick. KwaZulu-Natal, or KZN, is one of South Africa's most water-rich provinces. In Hawick, in particular, there's the Midmar Dam, best known for hosting the Midmar Mile, the world's largest open-water swimming event. The area's rivers, the Umgeni and the Umsunduzi, also host the Duzi Canoe Marathon and are filled with paddlers every February as they negotiate the river's rapids. Green. That's the first thing that meets the eye when you travel through the KZN Midlands, lush greenlands and vegetation. When you arrive at the Midmar Dam, its brown water lapping in waves seems like the ocean. It's all the eye can see for miles and miles, boat sails punctuating its surface, fish jumping with a splash. On either end, a fierce river flows, sometimes narrow and crashing over rocks, then plummeting down ridges before stretching lazily as a yawn into a vast body of water. The Amgeni River starts up near Nottingham Road in Fort Nottingham. That's the source of Amgeni. It flows down through farmlands and then goes through Midmar Dam and then through Howick and over the Howick Falls and on the way to Durban and eventually flows out into the ocean in, at Durban. DUT was formed in 2005 to champion the health of the Umsunduzi and Umgeni rivers. It's a civil society-driven environmental trust. Liz became interested in joining the organization about 12 years ago after reading a letter in the newspaper by DUT chairman Dave Still. And he just seemed to be such a sensible person working with the local municipalities, working with the structures in place. And so I contacted him and he said, well, look, we're working in Peter Maritzburg and that's a full on job. Why don't you guys pick up the Howick area? So we formed a little branch in Howick, branch of Duct, and sort of took it from there. We've got river rangers that are involved in environmental education and also duct teams. I think we, I don't know how many at the moment, but at one stage there were like 17 or 20 teams with 10 people per team clearing alien invasive vegetation, picking up litter. And what Nompomelelo and I are very involved in is reporting on sewerage leaks. So to be the eyes and ears of the communities where these spilling sewage um, manholes are hidden in the bushes. I can't see them and they're nastily spilling into the rivers. And so we have to ask, have you ever heard of the dreaded doozy guts? Aside from the huge impact unhealthy rivers have on the immediate community, the water quality of the Umgeni and Umsunduzi rivers is of particular concern to local and international canoeists. 
also has a lot of uh, paddlers very interested because of the canoe race, the Doozy Canoe Marathon. So they're very involved and have been right from the beginning because 60% of all the paddlers that do the Doozy Canoe Marathon get sick from doozy guts uh, caused by stretch pollution. So that was a real impetus to start the organization. As an enviro champ, Nombomelelo tests the water flowing out from the nearby wastewater treatment plant and into the Umgeni River. She checks that the water is safe to enter the river and that it has been properly cleaned and treated. Okay. There's a broken pipe at the outflow from the wastewater treatment. From wastewater treatment. And it's flowing from the Umgeni River. So my work is to, call, to test this water is... Whether the water has been properly treated and is suitable to enter the river. Nombomelelo tests the water three times a day at 8 a.m., 12 noon and 5 p.m. using a tool called a clarity tube. From this tube, she gets a reading between 1 and 100. Below 15, the water is considered dirty and not safe. This, she then reports to Liz or Ayanda Lipiane of Ground Truth, who either record the reading or report it to the appropriate authority. If the water is very clean coming out of the wastewater treatment works, then she gets a very good reading, maybe above 50 or up to 100. But if, the, if she can't see very far in the clarity tube, she can only see about one centimetre or two centimetres or, as she says, up to eight centimetres, it means that the water is very dirty, very turbid. That's why it's called a clarity tube or a turbidity reader. And... The only thing that can make that water turbid if it's coming out of the wastewater treatment works is feces. It's not soil, it's not sand, it's not earth, it's just feces. And, and it's an immediate measurement. It's not like she has to send it to a laboratory or something like that. She gets the immediate reading at 8 o'clock or at 12 o'clock, right then and there. She phones and we can phone them and say, hey, there's a problem with your, with your wastewater treatment works. The concept of this group of citizen scientists or enviro champs has been critical to the success of DUCT and its projects. Well, the idea of the Enviro Champs was started in about 2010 by a colleague of ours called Mdoom Chunu. Sadly, he's passed away since then, and he, you know, he was only in his early 30s, so he was a vibrant young man that had this idea that why can't people that are living in the communities be the eyes and ears of the environment? And if there's a gogo staying at home and looking after her grandchildren, she can just look out the door. Maybe there's a manhole near where she lives. She can see if it's spilling or not. And write on, we, we handed out forms each month and they write on the form which day it was spilling, when did they phone the plumbers to come and fix it, what day, did the plumbers come, how long did they take to fix it. Envirochamps are all previously unemployed people who are being taught a set of critical and crucial environmental monitoring and observation skills. They're now being paid to champion environmental conservation and change in their communities. 
So that person would be called an Enviro Champ. And in the beginning, only had money for airtime. So we would give them maybe a hundred rand a month to have airtime in their phones that they could phone and report on these things. But later on, we did get proper funding from the municipalities, from the district district municipalities, and it grew from there up to a point where we had 40 Envira champs spread out through Mpopomeni and Hawik and Sipumalela. Mpopomene and Sipomalele are both townships in the region. Mpopomene is situated on the banks of Midmar Dam, whilst Sipomalele lies to the west of Hawik. So we've got now a fantastic like, workforce working for the environment. And this idea has been taken up by the Presidential Relief Fund, Economic Relief Fund. And Cyril Ramaphosa has put out a project. He's, he started a project called Amazi Air to Ubuntu, which is a branch of that. And they are going to be employing up to 10,000 EnviroChamps in the future, each one having their own cell phones and taking photos of the problems and recording these issues every single day on their phones. And it's all linked to a central data capturing office. And all this is going to be worked out by, and it's being worked on right now, by Rhodes University. The genius of the EnviroChamps concept, aside from the social and economic impacts, is that scientists can now capture and monitor data in remote areas that would previously have been costly to travel to. It's being used as a poverty relief strategy, as well as, I mean, it, it ticks all the boxes, youth, employment, environment, water, education. It's, it's just fantastic. So we are so proud to be involved in, in this um, initiative that, I mean, I'm just so proud to be a South African that something like this can happen. And Nompumalelo and I can be involved in something like this. And in the case of the EnviroChamps like Numpumelelo, who become really passionate about their work, the job becomes about a lot more than monitoring water quality. And then to work with Uzama EnviroChamp, it's nice to work with them because we, we learn, I learn about Uzama, the importance of the environment in our life. And then I learn a lot. We came to do door to door for reporting ama spilling of manholes or to search about this the spilling uh, and then the the cause of ama spilling and then we end up facing the the issues of we, we enter the house and then we find grannies who's living with the, his child and then they don't have any support in the family and babies living the, with the child doesn't have a, a birth certificate and then we, we face those challenges and then we go to the AMA ward councillor to report those things to them because it's not for us but we attend those challenges and then another challenge that we face to work with AMA communities it, it's not the easy thing to do AMA door to door like there's a lot of challenging when we work in the communities. Someone else who is passionate about protecting South African communities from the negative impacts of dirty water is Mariette Lieferlink, CEO of the Federation for a Sustainable Environment.
that our focus is on the realization of section 24 of the constitution that is the right to an environment that is not harmful to health and well-being we work primarily amongst mining affected communities when we look at the effects that mining operations have on the environment and the surrounding communities acid mine drainage and mining waste are at the top of the list Mining waste is considered by the European Environmental Bureau as perhaps the second greatest environmental threat next to global warming because of the profound offer irreversible impacts on ecosystems. And with the history of mining on South Africa's Witwatersrand going back over 130 years, the impact is vast. And as a result of the gold mining, it created the largest gold and uranium mining basin in the world. It also led to the extraction of 43,500 tonnes of gold and 73,000 tonnes of uranium because our gold ore co-occurs with uranium. It left us with a legacy of 270 tailing storage facilities, 6 billion tonnes of iron pyrite tailings, as well as 600,000 tonnes of uranium. The iron pyrite tailings cannot be maintained or managed in an oxygen-free environment. So when it rains, the rainwater and oxygen combines with a pyrite and that then produces acid mine drainage. Acid mine drainage will continue for many, many years after mine closure. Uranium, a naturally occurring radioactive element, is something that we want to stay as far away from with our water as possible. It's a heavy metal that's been used to power nuclear reactors and atomic bombs. Besides being very low in pH or very high in acidity, this water will then contain metals in toxic concentrations. It will also have very elevated levels of sulfate or total dissolved solids. And that has happened within the Western Basin in 2002. And acid mine water started to decant or to flow on surface, and it had devastating consequences. It resulted, for example, in the Tuilupi Sprite, which flows towards the Limpopo River, becoming acutely toxic river system. Uh, it resulted in some dams, such as the Robinson Lake, becoming a declared radioactive uh, uh, area with uranium levels 40,000 times above uranium in natural water. But in 2012, the Department of Water and Sanitation decided on the short-term treatment of acid mine water. Now, I can perhaps just explain what the short-term treatment is of acid mine water. Short-term treatment is a pH adjustment. So the pH from the acid mine water uh, is adjusted to, say, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And as the pH is adjusted then the metals in the acid mine water then precipitate or drop out. These metals do not disappear. They merely change into a different oxidization state that is from being soluble to solid. With the pH levels adjusted, the water is no longer acid and is now alkaline. Is it safe to enter back into our water system? The salt levels, the sulfate levels remain unacceptably high and that renders the water unfit for any use. This, of course, poses a significant risk to the Var River system 
We're a long way off from a solution being legislated, but Mariette continues to campaign and continues to be hopeful. Let us also express the hope that the findings and the directives of the South African Human Rights Commission after their investigation of the river systems in Twani, their investigations with the the VAR river system, that all those directives will be implemented. And if they are not implemented, that there will be enforcement or that there will be criminal prosecutions for the polluters. Back in Hawick, Liz and Nompumalelo are excited about the future and the positive impact that they'll continue to have on their immediate environment, particularly with the addition of innovative technology. So Duct has been working very closely with a company in Hilton called Ground Truth. And Ground Truth have been developing a number of citizen science tools. So these are tools that can be used by everyday people. They don't have to be scientifically trained. That they can use these to go out and measure things in the environment. And at the moment, the Water Research Commission is sponsoring Ground Truth to work on these and get them to be calibrated so that they can be used and produce good scientific data. So, for example, the clarity tube that Nompomolelo uses, um, all she has to do is walk down to the river, fill it with water, it's a perspex tube, and look into it and take a reading for as far as she can see in the tube and send that number in to Ayanda Lapiana, who works for Ground Truth. He takes that number and adds it to his data. At the end of the month, he can draw graphs, he can draw maps, he can statistically analyze what's going on. And all that information is calibrated so that scientists know how much sludge is coming out of the sewage treatment works per liter of water. Using this data, they can begin forecasting and hopefully prevent future crises. And all that information is calibrated so that scientists know how much sludge is coming out of the sewage treatment works per litre of water. They can work out how much is going down the river to Albert Falls Dam, to Ananda Dam, and work out how long Albert Falls Dam will be clean for, whether it's 15 years or 20 years, and then it'll be full of sludge. For Nompumalelo, protecting and looking after the water also has spiritual and cultural importance. We, as black African people, believe that the water has power. There is power that is present in the water. For many of the Zulu people of KwaZulu-Natal, rivers are a place for prayer, for spiritual cleansing and ancestral connections. If we pray in the water, we pray in the river, just like the people of the Zion faith. Our spirits are liberated and elevated and access the heavens when we use the river to pray. We enter the river and pray in the river. We cleanse, we pray, and we use spiritual candles. There is a healing presence within us when we are in the river. 
We have our traditions as black people, as Zulu people. If I must have my coming of age ceremony, I must pray in the river. I can't do it in the road or at home. I have to start at the river. I have to bathe there and they must be dancing. If it happens that the river is dirty, there are dumping sites and things like nappies in the river, I don't see there being any success for the coming of age ceremony if the river is dirty. I believe that the river must always be checked to see if it is clean and suitable for us to practice our traditions there as African people. This is part of what drives her in educating her community. This spirit keeps her going door to door to ask people not to use the rivers and water bodies as dumping grounds to ensure that spilled manholes are monitored and quickly fixed. The water can live without me, but I can live without water. Innovations often start with a problem and a desire to understand or solve a mystery. It's colorless. It doesn't really have a taste yet. It tastes so good at the same time. It doesn't smell yet. It kind of freshens everything around it. So there was this mystery that it involved that I wanted to try to understand. Yeah, I think one of the things that I constantly learn with water is that you cannot control it. It is what it is and it does what it wants and you cannot put it in a box. And with aquitecture, well, I encounter challenges every day. I think it's, um, it's an innovation, it's in motion. In our next episode, interior architect and designer Shakira Jassat will share how she was inspired by the mystery of water to create an innovative rainwater harvesting panel. You definitely don't want to miss this one. I'm Michelle Constant. And I'm Gugule Tumshungo. Thank you for listening. All our podcasts are available at jojo.co.za. The series was made possible because of Jojo for Water for Life. Find us on social media at For Water for Life and share your water stories using the hashtag Listen to the Water. Because if you do, it can change your life. From the Jojo family to yours, we hope you enjoyed this episode of For Water for Life. Whether you're looking for top quality storage tanks, water filters, or other water solutions, Jojo has the product ideal for you. Discover our range at jojo.co.za and find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram for all the latest product news and water-related content.